Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay, and this is our weekly digital marketing podcast. I'm joined by Director of Training, Mindy Weinstein, Virginia Nussi, our content manager, Community Manager, Christy Kellogg, and Senior SEO Consultant, Marianne Robbins. We have a pretty information-packed show for you today. Google posted a couple warnings on their webmaster blog about mobile redirects. Uh, we'll actually get in and cover a little bit about what that's about. And later in the show, we're going to give you a little bit of a secret. There are a couple of major things that could change SEO forever. I think you're going to want to hear those. So we'll get on to that in just a few minutes. Great. Well, let's first start with Google and what they posted about their mobile warnings and what they refer to them as are unwanted sneaky mobile redirects. You know, the mobile SEO discussion, it never gets old. And I think I say that every time we talk about mobile, but there's always something new and we're always adapting. And the thing about it, too, is Google wants us to do it the right way. So they're constantly giving us information, giving us tools to use and warnings. So recently, Google posted a warning against sneaky mobile redirects in their webmaster blog. So I'm actually going to read a quote from the post just to kind of give you an idea of what it's about before we get into our discussion. But, um, well, first off, Google talked about it's okay to show slightly different content on different devices. For example, optimizing the smaller space of a smartphone screen can mean that some content, like images, will have to be modified. Or you might want to store your website's menu in a navigation drawer to make mobile browsing easier and more effective. So Google talks about that, but then they get into some more information about redirects. So as Google explains, the situation is similar when it comes to mobile-only redirect. Redirecting mobile users to improve their mobile experience is often beneficial to them. However, redirecting mobile users, being sneaky, to a different content is bad for user experience, and it goes against Google's webmaster guidelines. So when you're being a little bit sneaky about how you're redirecting is when you get into problems, which makes sense. I mean, Google always wants there to be a good user experience. But, you know, we've seen a lot in terms of mobile. We work with a lot of clients, so we've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. (laughs) So, you know, Marianne, you've worked with quite a few clients, and you've seen a lot in terms of mobile. I mean, what are some of the mistakes you've seen that seem pretty common or like even some of the biggest mistakes that are being made out there? Well, I think the problem is, is a lot of times you, if you, especially if you have the M dot, this is a completely different website and you're, there isn't a one-to-one redirect um, or there's a different intent of the, of the user on the mobile site versus the, the a desktop site where there's more research based on the desktop versus maybe an, some sort of transactional or action based uh, on, on the mobile site. So there isn't a one-to-one, especially if 
the content. So the problem there with the sneaky redirects is that, you know, maybe there's a content page that isn't on the mobile site and they just redirect to the home page. You know, we've also seen it where there was content, for example, flash content that wasn't accessible on the mobile site and redirecting to a completely separate domain or an, uh, to an iPhone app page, which Google has given warnings about. So the, the problem really comes in where there isn't a one-to-one translation of the website that's not responsive. And Google wanting to deal with that because they still, uh, you know, the, whether they're ranking the, the site based on the desktop site and their content, and then they're ranking, it, you, there's going to be some manipulation of that, putting content on the, on the desktop site to help the mobile site rank, but you're just going to do a deceptive redirect. I think they're trying to head that off and prevent the sites from doing that and help, help people have a better user experience there. Um, so it's really going to be, uh, for some sites, uh, making sure that their content that's on their desktop site is represented on their mobile site and that content can be accessed through somewhere and you're redirecting directly from that content to to the the same content on your mobile site. Right. I think that one of the things we have to look at is exactly how search indexing works. See, Google's going to index the standard page. Generally, it's going to index the um, website for the desktop. And that tells people this is what the page is about. And mobile historically is supposed to be, if you go to like a redirect to an M dot, is historically supposed to be a re-rendering of that same content so that what's in the index is still appropriate. Not a problem, should work fine. I think sneaky comes in and, and the way I read in the sneaky and the way it was written about dissimilar content is it smacks very much of cloaking. I mean, I could have a page about baby blankets, and if you go there from the desktop, you get baby blankets. You actually get them. Or they could just send everybody to the mobile device, which happens to be about a porn site or something. Could have been something as severe as that. The desktop gets gets indexed, but they're using mobile redirect to put you on some different kind of a site. None of that is good. I mean, it could be different purpose. And I support what Marianne said. If, if I am looking for a restaurant I'm inter- on a desktop, I'm interested in ambiance and where is it kind of situated and what's the menu and is that where I want to go for dinner. If I'm on my phone, I'm lost. Wait, I'm a guy. If I'm a guy, I'm lost. <laughs> and... But I think that still applies. You're I'm lost. Just, I'm lost, <laughs> no matter what. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to want a map because I'm on my mobile device. I'm not going to use my mobile device necessarily to try to read a whole restaurant menu. I might just want to see it maybe, but I'll bet you most of the time I'm lost or I want to call them. And uh, that's the way that works. So, uh, And it's just my personal view, by the way. I have found... Ever since I figured out I can actually talk to my phone and then it'll answer me. If I'm lost, I just say restaurant name near me and it'll always find the restaurant and then it'll tell me directions and I can actually get there and I won't be lost anymore. (laughs) Well, that's a mobile experience. You're not going to do that on the desktop. I mean, it's an entirely different kind of a reason Mm -hmm. people would set up websites for a mobile device. I get it. It's the word sneaky that I find 
in this particular context to be the word. Sneaky implies to me that I am trying to intercept traffic with my desktop indexed page to put them on something entirely different that is not something they would normally go to for that particular query. Right. It sounds spammy. I mean, it makes me think of when when we talk about spam and we talk about black hat SEO, you know, I always differentiate it that black hat is exploit, they exploit and white hat is earning. And so I think this is a situation where spammers are trying to exploit. So it's one of those situations. I, I do want to add that we have had, you know, seen where sites are doing it for legitimate reasons, mm-hmm. these redirects and gotten warnings for it. So it's not just if you're trying to, you know, obviously there's people that are going to exploit this advantage that mm-hmm. they can put into that, but that still sites with legitimate reasons for doing this ha- that have have gotten warnings for this before. Now that they've issued this warning again, I think they're probably going to send out even more mm-hmm. warnings for that. And it's not just the sites that are uh, that are doing things, anything that's mm- uh, intentionally deceptive, but that they have a justifiable reason to it. They're still going to now need to really be careful about what they're doing. Um, just to make sure you're not going to you're going to stay in Google's good graces, even if you have uh, some sort of valid reason to do it, you need to make sure the content is a one to one similar content. You don't want to be collateral damage. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to look like you're spamming when you're not. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree. Yeah, there's I'm sure there's legitimate reasons. You just don't want to get caught in all of it. Have you ever seen the movie Mr. Deeds? Do you remember that with Adam Sandler? Okay. No. Every time I hear sneaky, there's a character in there, and he always goes, sneaky, I'm sneaky, sneaky, sir. So they need to have that picture of this guy with that quote on their warnings that they send out. I think that make it more humorous for Google. <laughs> well, they should make it their icon for the day. Right. <laughs> and I'd be the only one that, like, not many of us would get it, because apparently I'm the only one in this room that's seen the movie. So <laughs> that population is not very big. Well, I think that Google is very intentional with their public speak. So I have to think that they probably have seen some abundance of this sneaky action for them to put out a blog post that is kind of to, you know, helping to give people fair warning before they do start giving more kinds of notices in Search Console. I think it's interesting, Marianne, that you said that you've seen sites doing what they say, what Google says in their post here of, we understand that you might have different content for different devices, and this could be perfectly effective for, you know, smart si- phone screen sizes and that kind of thing. These user-centric modifications can be understood very well by Google. Well, I hope they do have a better understanding because if they're going to start, you know, penalizing sites for having sneaky redirects, they should probably not get in any, you know, like you said, collateral damage. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, and that I think is key here, Google prefers responsive design instead of any redirects. So we should just face that. I mean, a responsive design is a reformatting of the on-page content through CSS. A redirect is an entirely different page. And, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities. Yes, if my page has Flash and it doesn't play well on mobile at all, (laughs) then... I can understand why I would want to have a different mobile site. There are reasons. I got it. But still, there's ways to not be sneaky about it. How much do you know about development um, or like code or I don't even know, 
I don't have the right technical vocabulary for this, but like, say you have a page right now, we just updated our SEO for dummies page on the website. And there's this image that's kind of horizontal. It's like a, almost like a banner across the page. And I was just thinking for the mobile experience that would come across as just like this little band across the screen. It's not really designed well for a mobile viewer. So is there a way with, I don't know, JavaScript or something to say, serve one version of the image for a mobile, one screen size, and then another version of the image for a different? You can even do that with responsive. Yeah, that's because our site's fully responsive. So I was just thinking this image might be an issue where we might want to test something like that. Well, you can probably CSS media queries, right? That's what I remember talking to uh, our web developer, and we've we've even you can even draw the redraw the image in coordinates in the mm-hmm. the vectors for the image. We've seen this; it's it, it creates a lot of code, but mm-hmm. it actually you can draw uh, logos that can, and that can be a way of actually rendering it on the page in different sizes in in coordinates of the to draw an image. So there's a lot of different ways you can resize images without doing a completely different mobile experience. Um, and on an M dot, and there's definitely ways of getting around all, re- replacing all the con- uh, re- uh, resizing all the content and images to make a responsive site look, um, you know, very uh, com- uh, user friendly uh, versus you know um, having to have a completely separate mobile site. One of the things that I'm just uh, I know we're running long on time, but one of the things that I think that a lot of mistakes where I see it is that. Some of the packages that you can install, like in, you know, anything, you can install a package that makes it responsive. And what I historically do is I take the page and run it through the mobile test, the Google mobile test, and it comes back and it says, awesome. Then I open it in a browser on full screen in my desktop, and then I shrink it down, and I find that it is not responsive for anything other than that one size at the bottom, right? Until you shrink it all the way down, it doesn't fit. Well, folks, how many different size phones are there? I know there's at least 20 some different sizes for phones and they're not all an iPhone 5, right? Some of them are bigger and now they have PCs and small little detachable cool things that uh, emulate small iPads and big iPads. and I mean, you, you have to be fully responsive. And I think that a lot of sites will find if they run the mobile-friendly test and it says awesome, it is not fully scalable. So they are missing out on the correct formatting for everything between an iPhone and a desktop. And that's something that everybody has to be careful of. That was such great information. I was enjoying just listening to you all. But it's time to take a quick break. Please keep listening because we're going to talk about two big things that are changing SEO forever when we come back. More SEM Synergy coming up. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. 
Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Is buying something that is made in the USA important to you? How do you know that it really is made in the USA? Certified Inc. is the only supply chain audit company on the planet which qualifies country of origin labeling. If it's important to you as a consumer to know where the products you buy and use in your own home come from, then it's also important for your customers. Visit us at madeinusa.net and find out more. Go to madeinusa.net because it's that important. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nessie, and we just finished out a big series of SEO conferences as always, we shared our knowledge on the Bruce Clay blog. Christy and I live blogged both PubCon and SMX East. And in that coverage of 46 sessions, you'll find all these experts sharing so much information. You have to check it out to kind of just make sure that you're catching up and staying on top of all the changes in this industry. And that's a lot of sessions and a lot of posts. Um, so if you want um, to boil it down, basically, in there are some themes that emerged. So here we offer our opinion that during SMX East and PubCon Las Vegas, there were two big things that are going to change the SEO landscape forever. One is machine learning algorithms that are ranking content based on searcher behavior feedback. And we actually heard about RankBrain, which is a component of the Google algorithm that is based on machine learning. Uh, that was last week, big news. And another thing that's changing SEO is predictive search. That means that users get content served to them before they even ask for it. We wrote a post on the blog. It's called Two Big Things Changing SEO Forever, What's New in SEO from SMX and PubCon. That's where you can kind of get our well-designed thoughts on the topic. But 
for the panelists here, Bruce, Mindy, Christy, and myself, let's talk about machine learning, rank brain, and predictive search. I find this topic fascinating. I think that rank brain is really a problem. It, it's, <laughs> it, it sounds to me a little bit like Skynet. I mean, it's the concept that people are surrendering to a computer decisions and in, in honing algorithms and something so subjective and complex as what a person would want to see next or do or what it means or what could possibly be the resolution of ambiguity because, you know, that is tough. And how can a computer speculate about impulse clicks or anything else? I, I find that to be totally mind-boggling. Uh, I do understand in the era of big data that there are statistical probabilities. And if you look at 100 million queries and 99% of them do the same thing, I'm, I'm all with the probability that that's what they want. But I don't think that's the way it works. There's dominant and, and there's casual kinds of uses, and, and I just don't see it going in that direction. For boiling down this topic, machine learning is where computers teach itself by collecting feedback data and as opposed to where they just follow a simple program or, or even complex program. Uh, and Bruce is, uh, has been very like forward thinking in this idea that why would the engineers at Google just let go of their very carefully constructed algorithm to let a machine kind of make all the next decisions? I don't see that all of the algorithm will ever be other than a series of switches that can be manipulated by humans. Now, some of them uh, can certainly be indicated by software, right? This is, this is likely to be what will help in this area, but I don't, I don't see it replacing um, in its entirety. I don't see it replacing humans in the Google algorithmic uh, world. I, and I, if I were to speculate, I mean, I think it was, nobody knows for sure, but I think it was being that actually implemented a part of this in their algorithm. And what happened was the accuracy went up, but it plateaued because that's the accuracy. And I think that Google wants to keep it going. I don't, a plateau is unacceptable. Going up, that's great. You know, but if you plateau, then somebody can leapfrog you. And I don't think Google wants that. I think they like the fact that they can run a model, do some sort of uh, machine learning, look at the, what the results are, and then wonder why does that work? And then a human figures it out. They have buildings of PhDs that do nothing but figure this stuff out. I mean, it's not that hard for them to put resources on why does this work or not work. The algorithm has gotten pretty good. I find it amazing that we even get results that are even close in a quarter of a second. That That's mind-boggling. Right. Yeah, I agree. That is mind-boggling. So, I mean, do you think, if I still make sure if I'm hearing you correctly, I mean, do you think it would eventually be part of the algorithm? It just wouldn't take over the whole thing. It'll never take over the whole thing. Um, there are probably components to it that can be learned. Mm -hmm. And the second part of this was predictive search. But 
all of that can be learned. If you look at a large population and that population behaves in a moderately consistent manner, the computer could learn that, right? People, patterns form, statistical patterns form. Uh, in pay-per-click, we can all speculate that the uh, number of clicks at 2 a.m. are less than 2 p.m. We could figure out that the cost per action will change. We could figure out that the cost per click will change. We could figure out that the number of impressions will change. We know that. We don't need a computer to learn that. Uh, if you're going to have a computer learn other things, that's pretty high intelligence. But at what point does the computer come to a point where it is the entire algorithm? And... Quite frankly, one of the things that happens with computer learning and why people have to break the mold, it's a little bit like shooting an arrow and then painting the target around it. Once they have computer learning that says this is the right way and that's the way it does it, by definition, that's the only way and that's not the way people are, are built. People believe that there might be a better way. Computer learning almost forbids it. So I think we just have to understand that. An example of this kind of limitation that you're talking about um, was shared by Dwayne Forrester in his PubCon keynote. He covered a lot of future futurism topics, and one of them was machine learning. And he explained that there was the tool where you upload your picture and it guesses your age, and I think it was like a Bing um, feature. And um, the tool basically taught itself what a face was by after seeing enough faces like oh this is a face and then now I can figure out um, match patterns to figure out how old they are except that the whole thing was broken if you uploaded a photo that was upside down so yeah it's not so smart that it can figure out a face at different um, arrangements or you know you know, I really liked that tool. I was I lost like twenty five years. I know it depended. Sometimes I was ten years older. Sometimes I I played around with that tool. I had some fun <laughs> with it. Sometimes I was ten years younger. I stuck with the ten years younger one. That was That's my what I one. <laughs> Doesn't it not work then? Like completely? Not completely. Not yet. But I mean, again, it goes back to machine learning. It does sound so sci fi. Like I feel like we're talking about a sci fi movie where it's just going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, I agree with you, Bruce, that you said I can't see it taking over, that that would be the main thing that Google's going to use. It just wouldn't make sense to do so. Rob um, Ramirez, our SEO manager, I was chatting with him a little bit about it, and he's out sick today, but I'll share the way I understood. One theory he had was rather than it, the machine learning piece being in the wild, maybe it's something that kind of run, collects data, and then the human scientist can look at it and say, oh, let's incorporate that into the live algorithm. So um, that's one way that rank brain could possibly be a, a signal, but it's not, you know, set out in the wild. I just think that from the, can the concept that, and I think everybody accepts this, the concept that um, anything is going to determine what I want, that's, that's a little bit like me going home, sitting down in front of the television, and the television deciding what I want to watch. Perfect timing that segues us into predictive search, because 
that is what the future holds, according to what I was hearing from speakers uh, like Cindy Crum. You know, she's the mobile guru. She's the expert on all things mobile. And when it comes to um, what's happening next, it's Google Now. And that's an app that a lot of that. I think it comes on all the Android phones. I I say I think because I'm an iPhone user, but I did recently install Google Now because I need to know what's going on with this next generation technology. So Google Now is a predictive search application, and it's supposed to give you the information that you want, you personally, before you ask for it. And it does this by using machine learning to know who you are, by collecting all of the pieces of that Google knows about you on the web. So they look in your email if you're a Gmail user. They look in your apps if you use Google Play. They look at your YouTube habits, your browsing habits, um, even some of your TV watching if you're like on Chromecast and stuff like that. And then you go into the Google Now app and it will tell you that this episode, this new episode of your favorite show is coming up or here's another show you might want to check out because they know that you like these certain things. It will tell you this is how long it takes to get home right now because it knows your patterns based on the time of day and the day of the week. And um, it's delivering information to you um, before you ask for it um, because it's collecting your habits and patterns. And that's basically machine, machine learning at play. And another reason why this is important right now and is coming up is because we have so many internet connected devices that don't have keyboards and that you just have to talk to. So your TV telling you, um, this is what you want to watch right now. Um, if it's internet connected and it knows that you always watch this thing at that time, it may, may very well, you know, you come into the house and it's connected to your nest and all these internet connected devices. And then it'll open your beer for you in the fridge. <laughs> I'm still always surprised when things pop up on my calendar that I didn't put there, that it, like, took from my email. Like, it's always interesting to see that. All right. I don't think I like this. <laughs> this this sounds a little bit too Big Brother, uh, somebody deciding for me. I'm, like, on the fence because it's really cool and really creepy. Like, I don't know which, which side I'm on because it's cool. I like it to be able to just tell me. Hey, they don't even have to think, I guess. I get home and it's going to tell me what to watch and what to do. If I could get home and talk to my TV and say, find me something action. If it knew what I liked in the area of action movies and I could direct it to give me a recommendation list, that's great. All right, so let's look at the Tesla, right? That's sort of predictive. It drives. You don't have to steer it. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, is that with the upgrade? You you should see all the stuff wow. all over the place. Um, there's all sorts of cool videos, but what they have is a uh, a manual, and in the manual it says if you're in a Tesla and it's driving down the street and a bunch of people are in front of you, rather than hit them, the Tesla will intentionally crash. Even if it kills one, it's better than killing ten. Like yourself. <laughs> really (laughs) and and it might be that that's the kind of a decision that we're talking about here you know I mean there's all this stuff going on and figuring out which is what you do want and which is the least of the negatives and then it, it can easily become quite controlling okay but like 
that example of the Tesla, sure, that sounds awful. But do you have like an example of anyone, like of something negative that's actually happened to you? I can't think of one where that's I've been like, point. I'm offended or bothered <laughs> or Google messed me up somehow. Well, uh, so far, I think <laughs> that all the things that are predictive are predictive of things that nobody cares about. Um, They're still debugging it. Hmm. That's my concept. But, you know, this. there's a groundswell here. And how do you really seize control of the person? For instance, uh, the Google automated driver car, mm-hmm. right? The concept is that this car is driving for you. Therefore, Google can display more ads in the car and sell you more things. And it'll know where you are and know the advertiser that's a block up from you, and it'll show you an ad for that particular donut shop or flower shop or whatever, and it will encourage you to stop and buy from them while the car is driving you. But maybe it knows you wanted a donut. (laughs) If it knows I want a donut... That is a little bit more than predictive. Don't you always want a donut? Yeah. <laughs> every time you don't want a donut? I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a time. So it, <laughs> it would work. Um, in this post that we uh, wrote, we do actually have some actionable things that you can do to improve your website and your SEO and your marketing in relation to machine learning and predictive search. So check that out on the blog. Well, we're out of time, but thanks to Webmaster Radio and thanks to our listeners. Please subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to you on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or your preferred podcast app. For more from the Bruce Clay team, including in-depth information on the SEO changes we've been discussing today, visit bruceclay.com slash blog. Have a great week and see you next time on SEM Synergy. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.